Hi, good morning. Um, Pastor Tom Ramsey, I'm going to talk to you for about four weeks. So I hope you brought a pillow and a sleeping bag. Um, but each week um, during this series on influence, I've asked one of our elders to come and share a little bit about themselves and the influence that they've had in their lives. This is Donnie Carpenter. Give him a big hand. So Tom's already heard my self-introduction once, and he still stole it. Um, my name's Donnie, and I'm an elder here at the church. That's what I was going to say. Um, so I guess I'll go into a little bit more detail. Uh, my uh, beautiful and creative wife, Claire, uh, was here last service. This service, she's serving uh, with the infants. For some reason, they're called guppies. Um, and uh, she and I have been married at the end of this month for nine years. Um, we have two amazing little children, and they love running around the courtyard, so if they bump into you, I'm sorry. Um, Benjamin is three and a half, and Madeline is one and a half. Um, really cute kids. And I uh, work here in Corvallis for a financial planning software company. Um, I am a financial planner by trade, so I tell them what the software is supposed to do, um, and occasionally we get it right. Um, and please uh, bear with me a little bit because I got into PDX at 11.30 last night. I got home and into bed at about 2 a.m. because um, I was at a conference trying to sell software. Um, we'll see how well I did next month. Um, so Pastor Tom has asked us to kind of share a little bit of our testimony, and uh, he's asked me to share some uh, about the how I became a leader within this church and the influences that uh, different people have had along the way. So let me start by um, sharing that I came to Christ as a very young boy. I was six or seven at the time. Uh, I was kneeling between my bed and my brother's bed. Um, and that's when I remember praying uh, the prayer for salvation. And um, the thing was, for a very long time after that, I was worried that I hadn't said the right words or that I hadn't truly meant it in my heart of hearts. And so I prayed that prayer again and again. And I went to a church that uh, every week invited us to rededicate our lives to Christ. So I rededicated myself over and over and over. Um, And it wasn't wasn't until much later that I learned about the difference between um, salvation, which uh, I think that I I got that night when I was sitting between my bed and my brothers, um, and sanctification, which is the journey that all Christians are on um, throughout the rest of their lives. Um, I then hit a really uh, hard point. I, I grew quite a bit in my, my walk and my faith uh, through high school. And then when I was a senior in high school, I uh, learned about the duplicity that the, the boys one year older than me were living. And um, these were guys that I looked up to as my influence of how I should be living my life. And that really just threw me for a loop. Um, I then entered college, and I did not search for a church. Um, I stopped attending completely, uh, and I look around. I've got friends who work with navigators. I've got friends who have worked with other college ministries, and um, it makes me really sad that I missed that for the four years that I was an undergrad um, because I could have grown so much in that time. I could have learned so much about God and uh, who I am in him. Um, And then uh, God did a wonderful thing for me. He brought Claire into my life uh, my senior year 
I went on a study abroad program, and so did Claire. We started dating um, in Italy, and it has gone downhill since then. Um, guys, don't don't set a high bar early on. Um, so, uh, but to Claire, it was really important that she be dating um, somebody who, like her father, uh, was a very godly man. And so, uh, through her encouragement, um, I started going back to church and started um, coming back to my walk with Christ. And um, then, about eight years ago, we moved to Corvallis, and I got plugged into the Young Marrieds ministry here, um, and with the influence of a lot of great men and uh, a lot of great women, I've uh, kind of gotten back on that road to maturity and um, advanced what feels like at a, a rocket pace uh, in my sanctification. Um, so Tom asked me to, to talk about why in the world uh, did I want to be a church leader. Um, and I loved how he phrased that. Um, and uh, I'm going to get to the answer to that um, at the very end. But um, if you look back at my my church history, uh, when I was in middle school, church was the only place I felt like I belonged. Um, it's the only place where I felt like I actually mattered. And so I went to church um, as many times as I could. I got as involved as I could. I um, joined the youth choir. I went to youth group on Wednesday nights. Um, Sunday mornings, I joined the youth orchestra, um, even though my drum set skills are extremely lacking. Um, and I was just there. You know, I was always there half an hour early. Um, I stayed late. I hung out with the adults that, um, that volunteered there. Uh, and they had a huge impact on my life. Um, by the time I was a senior in high school, I was being asked to uh, help lead in small ways at the church. Um, I was also at the same time uh, becoming a leader in my drum line uh, at high school and on my um, hockey team. And um, don't get too excited. It was uh, assistant captain of a JB hockey team. Um, for those of you who are a little farther removed, you're not usually on your JV team your senior year. So, um, And then when I went to college, even though it wasn't within the church, I kept looking for ways to step into leadership. Um, I founded an ice hockey team uh, at my university, and this is in Texas, so yes, the ice doesn't always melt. Um, and uh, I was the president of the club and uh, was the coach of the team after our coach uh, moved on. And um, I also joined the associations that were around my major and ran for office within them. Um, so by the time that we moved here, I realized that God had kind of been preparing me to be a leader um, through all of this and that um, I needed to learn more about my gift and start giving it back to God. Um, as I mentioned, along the way, I had a lot of influential people in my life. Now I'm going to hit a couple of highlights uh, in there. Um, first, I want to mention Dennis Blythe, who was my youth pastor. Um, and he really made me feel like I was valuable and loved. Um, and that got me through a lot of stuff, um, as well as the, the college uh, students that volunteered in our youth group. Um, I want to mention specifically uh, Julie Rollins, who, when she was a senior in high school, asked seventh grade me to help lead our 
weekly Bible study that met in her house. Um, and that is an amazing thing to ask a seventh grader to do when you're a senior in high school. Um, you can't underestimate how much middle schoolers look up to high schoolers. Um, and Brent Snyder, who uh, was the, the cool college guy, he was a sophomore in college when we were uh, juniors and seniors in uh, high school, and he just kind of brought me along and made me feel like I was one of the cool guys in uh, high school, and in case you can't tell, I wasn't. Um, and so that was, that was amazing. Um, and then, of course, my wife, who brought me back to the church when we started dating, um, and her father, uh, my father-in-law, Joe Cobb, who is uh, a wonderful model of what a godly man should be, and he's kind of set the standard for me. Um, I'm trying to live up to his example. Um, for those of you who haven't been here too long, uh, Sean Penn used to be an associate pastor here, and when I was the leader of the Young Marrieds Interaction Group, he uh, took me alongside and mentored me, um, and that had a huge impact. Um, he started challenging me to do more and to be more, uh, and Don Snow um, took that challenge and put a form to it, and um, he, with Glade Devenny's help, uh, led the leadership development course, which is um, very instrumental in um, these last couple of years of formation in my, in my sanctification. Um, so about five years ago, Sean was leading an interaction group uh, leadership retreat. And I know some of you guys were there. I, I remember um, some of the people who were there. And he asked us all to write down uh, where we would like to be in five years. And he really challenged us to stretch ourselves and I was having a hard time uh, thinking of what I should write down. Well, I found that notepad um, a couple of months ago. And the thing that I had written down was that I want to be worthy of being an elder. It's not that I wanted to be an elder. I just wanted to have the qualities um, that you're supposed to look for in an elder. I didn't think that um, elding would come for a much longer time. Um, for those of you who don't know what elding is, go and listen to Don Snow's sermon from last week. It's on a podcast. Um, so I, it's only through the help of and encouragement of the leaders that God put in my life that uh, I am where I am, that I am who I am. Um, and I still feel like I have a really long ways to go. Um, but when I sat down um, before accepting becoming an elder, I sat down with my good friend Jeremy Michelson, who's uh, one of our missionaries, and uh, I was completely open with him, completely honest about all of my struggles and uh, all of my doubts about myself. And he basically told me that, um, you know, God is in the process of perfecting me. And if I waited until I was perfect, then I would miss out on serving God. Um, so I, I wanted to, my answer to, you know, how did I decide to uh, why in the world did I want to be a leader in the, in the church? Um, and my answer really is that I don't want to be a leader in the church. I want to serve God, and I want to serve my community, which is you guys. And I look at what God has given me, and it's the gifts that he has given me. Um, in case you don't know this about me, I am an extreme introvert. Um, I'm actually shaking slightly as I'm talking. Um, and... To those of you who, when I first meet you, I don't say much. I apologize. Um, I just have to kind of warm up um, to new people. And uh, if you ever 
would like to get to know me, uh, invite me to play a board game. That warms me up pretty quickly. Um, so I started looking around at the end of leadership development course um, because the challenge there is to look around and find a place where you can serve. And so I, looked, I started looking around. And what I noticed then and what I notice now is when I look around the church, what we need is more leaders. Um, not leaders in the worldly sense where there's a CEO that sits in the back office and tells people what to do. Um, no offense, Phil. Uh, but we, we need more um, servants who are willing to examine their lives and look at the gifts that God has given them and then come in and say, so here's what I'm good at. How can you use me? Um, because there are so many ways that you could serve here in our local church. All right, thanks, Tony. So first, first hour was sitting back there, and he had his head turned this way, and I was sure he said he was a screaming introvert. And, and I thought first hour, that would be the most awesome child to have, right? They'd probably go right to sleep. But, but the part of his story that got to me this time was a seventh-grade boy had a senior girl ask him to lead the Bible study, and I got a different picture of a screaming introvert. Hey, Donnie, would you like to help us lead the Bible study? Uh, yeah, okay. Yes! <laughs> Sorry if that hurt your ears. I, thanks for laughing, too, because that could have gone over really bad. Um, so let me pray, and we'll jump into uh, the topic of influence today. God, thanks for uh, Donnie's story. Um, thanks for bringing him out of probably a shell that he felt like he was in, and, and I bet a bunch of us here feel like that right now. And I pray that... Uh, over these next four weeks as we talk about influence, that you would show us how to come out of that shell or that cocoon and, and really use, as he said, the gifts and the strengths that I have to influence others. And I pray that we'd be encouraged today um, just getting a brief picture of what it might look like to, to be able to be used by you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm going to start with uh, the picture, actually, because I was thinking about that some more. This is my little uh, synopsis of the picture. You've got the hand of God pushing you, and as you fall, you influence the next person, and, and it can become exponential if everything's lined up right. Um, maybe just picture that as influence for a second. Um, in John 15, uh, Jesus was speaking with uh, some of his followers, his disciples, and in verse 5, he was using this illustration. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So I'm going to talk about this word remain for just a minute. It'll come up a few times today. Um, that was John 15:5. The rest of these verses, I'll give you the reference. I'm going to go through them pretty quick. I don't know if you'll have time to look them all up. Um, but Jesus tells us that he wants us to remain in him. So we're talking about a relationship, a really important relationship. And if we can stay connected to him, we're going to prosper. It's, it's the difference, really, between spiritual life and spiritual death. And so he says, if we do remain, then we prosper or we bear fruit. If we don't remain, then we can do nothing. So it can't get much, much plainer than that. But what does it mean to remain today? Um, here's some of the things that I hear um, out there among people on that topic is 
you know, I'm doing all I can just to show up on Sunday. Or I'm squeezing some space between overtime and a family to try and participate regularly in a small group. And then from students, a lot of times I hear some days I get just enough strength to put down my homework and crack open the Bible and maybe pray for a little bit. So I want to say we do our best with what we have. But for some of us, God still feels distant. Um, The steps to this most important relationship can kind of get fuzzy, can't they? Um, And so as I was thinking about this topic of influence, which we'll talk about for the next four weeks, sometimes I wonder if we're doing a really good job of helping people of faith prepare for a long obedience in the same direction. That's kind of my definition of remain then, is to remain in Christ or in that relationship with Jesus, is to have a long obedience in the same direction towards him. So uh, for many of us, we can believe in Jesus, we can read the Bible, we can pray, we can plug into a faith community or come to church from time to time. But after some time goes by, it seems like we have this question, will this rhythm of going to church, reading the Bible, pray, be plugged into a Christian community, will this rhythm compel us to remain? And I'm guessing that many of us along the way have said, is this all there is? I know it happens in marriages, too. I remember my wife saying to me once, she goes, is this all there is? You know, it was a good question at the time. Um, And it's become so much more since that question was asked. So that's one of the questions that I'm kind of floating today. If that's you, if you feel like you've become apathetic or distant or it's, you know, it's really hard to stay in a long obedience with God. um, Is this all there is? So there's this big question. What do we hope every single follower of Jesus will be able to do or be? And the question that follows is, what is the vision of life for an everyday follower of Jesus? And I think the answer to the question comes in a couple of words, discipleship and influence. So I'll define discipleship here for our purposes. Discipleship is the process of Somebody following another person to learn to be like that person. Influence is leading the way for that person to follow the other person or, you know, to follow me. If I'm the boss and I want you to do what I do, then I want you to walk around and watch what I do. And then I'm going to hope that you pick it up. But discipleship in this case is people learning to follow Jesus and be like him. And the influence for us is influencing a person not to follow us so much but to follow us as we follow Jesus. And so that's the discipleship we're talking about. And it's not a short process. It doesn't happen in a couple of days or a week or after we go through one book. It's a process that might take an entire lifetime to be a a fully devoted follower of Christ. Um, And so maybe some of us woke up one day and we we heard about Jesus and and this added hope to our life and and the possibilities of a a great future. And we had a desire to change the world. And once we thought about it for a little while, it seemed like it was just too big of a goal. We started to wonder after time if we could really even influence one other person um, to follow after Christ. Because not everybody chooses that. And so for some of us, our faith started to feel irrelevant. And maybe after some time went by, 
maybe you're one of those people who became apathetic to your faith, and, and maybe you even feel that way a little bit right now. Um, if you've ever felt this way, if you feel this way now, then I'm, I'm glad you started to come today for this series, and I hope you'll stay because for the next four weeks we're going to break this down, and I hope that at the end um, you'll be encouraged um, to be a person of influence, even if you think you can't do that right now. I think many of us really underestimate the value of our life. It's just about getting through it, getting through it with my family, getting through it with my kids, getting to work and back every day. Um, that's underestimating the value of your life if you're just thinking about getting through. Um, but to move from actually valuing your life and the potential that you have for influence. So I want to show you a video here in a minute. Um, it's about uh, a grown man named Nick Vujicic. And um, Nick was born without arms or legs. Actually, he has a foot. And just that picture that you'll see in a minute, um, you know, painted in your mind, maybe it seems pretty discouraging for you. Um, but Nick has discovered not only a relationship with Christ, but he's discovered how to become an influence uh, with what he has and what he doesn't have. And um, when we were in uh, Salt Lake City spring break a couple of years ago, as we were touring um, Temple Square, as, as we were there to get into conversations with some of the Mormon students there at, um, at the four universities we visited in Salt Lake, I remember coming to the temple, and the temple guide said uh, that only two Christian leaders had ever been invited to speak to the Mormon congregation in the Mormon tabernacle. One was Ravi Zacharias, I've heard of him, and the second one was Nick Vujicic. I had no idea who that was, and I looked him up. So this week, as, as I was looking for just a music video of, of a song called More um, that a friend of mine wrote called Tyrone Wells, I actually found Nick Vujicic singing the song. But um, as you watch this, I want you to try to connect the dots because um, Nick, as you'll see in the video, when he was 10 years old, tried to kill himself. Um, the people that are represented maybe represent one of us in this video. We've got a homeless person. We've got um, a lonely person. We've got a broken relationship. And we've got uh, a relationship that has ended because of death. And it's, and it's very sad. And I want you to kind of get this idea in your head about, you know, I have, I don't know if I have anything. I might have nothing, but when you see this, you'll see how one person can make a difference in the lives of many others. Let's watch this. Where do we go when hope runs out? When we're empty? When there's nothing left?
to commit suicide. I had lost my hope. I tried to drown myself, but I couldn't do it. God had a plan for my life to give hope to other people through my story. Oh, oh, oh. 
So, what is the value of life? What is the value of our life and our potential for each of us to have influence on the others? Um, that's the question we want to ask today and, and answer over the next three weeks. Um, I started learning this lesson personally when I was 13 years old, but I really didn't get it and understand it till I was almost 30. That you can influence others and you can change the world, sometimes just one person at a time. Um, every once in a while, it'll look like the dominoes, where you can actually see the results as you influence one person and then they take off and influence many. We'll talk about some stories about that over the next few weeks. But um, you may not even know the influence that you've had on somebody until potentially years later. Um, it really started with Jesus' words to his disciples, his followers, just before he returned to heaven. And the fact that he said these things to them, and then he left them here to carry out his most important mission, which was to communicate to the world who God was and that he had come to save them. This message that he, that he showed them and he showed to us is that he trusted the disciples and now us to influence the world for him without his physical presence in the world. In Matthew 28, 19 and 20, um, he said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Okay? Twelve guys get this mission. Other people are influenced by them. And really this leads to anybody that's sitting in here today at least in the sense of we're curious, we're checking it out, or maybe we've decided to follow. So Jesus trusting a small band of followers to communicate this most important message without him there, he influenced his disciples who passed it on to us. And really what he's saying is now it's our turn. In John 10.10, 10, Jesus said that the thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and destroy, but my purpose is to give my followers a rich and satisfying life. And so as we said earlier, maybe you're not feeling it. Maybe that rich and satisfying life is somehow evading you and this whole life of following Jesus has just become a routine. The other words that are used for rich and satisfying are abundant, more and better than our dreams, full to the fullest measure or all we need. If you've decided to follow Jesus, have you experienced those words in your life? If not, I want to suggest that the opportunity to influence others may be the key to that abundant life. Uh, because he wanted us to have life and relationships that were meaningful and purposeful. And as uh, Nick said in the video, a big part of God's plan for our lives may be to give hope to others by our story, by sharing our story. Um, so influencing, influencing others for Jesus through relationships, mentoring, and discipleship are some of the things we're going to talk about in the next uh, few weeks. Today, it's about who you know. So I want to talk about who you know. There's, there's really one person, and then there's a group that you need to know. The one person is, is Jesus Christ. So knowing Jesus, um, Thomas, one of the guys that followed him around, asked him this question one day in John 14. He said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father but through me. In John 10, 9 and 10, he put it this way. He said, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. 
And then one of his followers, Peter, communicated the same message in Acts 4.12. He said, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name, no other name under heaven by which man must be saved. The part about the truth. Uh, this is tricky, but in John chapter 1, if you haven't read this for a while, read the first 14 verses um, leading up to verse 14, where it says, So the Word, the Word who was God, the Word who was with God in the beginning, became human and dwelt among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So what this is telling us is Jesus was with God. He was God. He was in the beginning. Everything was created through him. And then at this point in history, God became flesh or the man Jesus to communicate to us who he was, how much he loved us. And then he wanted to rescue us. Um, in John eight thirty two, he says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So you might ask free from what? Free, saved, rescued from bondage to sin and physical death. In John 18:37 when Pilate was about to release Jesus to be crucified, he asked him this question, "So, you were a king?" And Jesus said, "Well, you say I'm a king. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I said is true." So Jesus says, "I am the way, I am the truth, and about the life in John 1, 4, again, Jesus, or the Word, gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. Um, John wrote in 1 John 5, And we know that the Son of God has come. He's given us understanding so that we can know the true God. And now we live in fellowship with the true God or in relationship with the, with the true God because we live in fellowship or in relationship with his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God, and he is eternal life at another place in in first john he said we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning whom we have heard and seen we saw him with our own eyes and we touched him with our own hands he is the word of life so we have that direct testimony from one of his followers and then finally in john chapter 11 where one of his friends lazarus was very sick jesus got a message hey you can heal him could you come back and heal him he's about to die Jesus was a little bit late, it appeared. He came back and Lazarus had already been buried for four days. Martha ran up to Jesus and said, how could you let this happen? And Jesus' answer was, didn't you know I am the resurrection and the life? Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. So knowing Jesus as the primary relationship, this life begins when we come to know him as the way and the truth in the life. And the other part is this. It's also about who else you know. This part about being influential is about who else you know. The next part of Jesus' mission, which was for us today, was about everybody else. In fact, in Acts 1.8, just before he left, he said, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so if you were to take that verse and map it out, you would find out that the towns in this order, one is the hometown. One might be the community or the county. Another might be the state and then the country and then eventually the world. And the plan was start right where you are and get the word out. Once you enter into this relationship with Jesus, this is the relationship that will give you hope and purpose in life. 
get to know him and then tell it with everybody you know and start wherever you are and spread out. So I'm going to call this two things over the four weeks, the circle of influence and the circle of opportunity. Um, We don't have influence if we miss the opportunity. And the circle of influence will include people that you know by commission, meaning Jesus said, go out into these places and tell about me. Um, The other part of that circle is people that you know by choice, which is the people you choose to marry or the people that you choose to be your friends, the people you choose to hang out with. And the other part of that circle is the people that you know by connection. So this could be your extended family. This could be uh, your neighbors in your neighborhood. It could be other employees where you work. It could be your teammates, anybody that you know by connection. You've got something in common. You've come together, and these are also in your circle of influence. But until something happens in you to say, I could be an influence on them, it's just the circle of opportunity. And the goal would be not to let that be missed opportunity. So we got to ask a few questions in closing. Um, Do you know Jesus? If not, get to know him. Who has God put in your life to influence you? Next week, we're going to take a little time to think about this. Uh, So that's a little heads up. Um, After first service today, a lot of people were walking out and they had a list of people already that were influential in their lives. Um, Then what kind of influence are you in your circle of opportunity? Um, I'm going to wrap this up today because I just wanted to whet your appetite for what the possibility is that each of us is important to God enough that Jesus came to die for each one of us. God thinks that we have a plan and a purpose that we can live out to influence other people and bring hope into their lives with our story. We'll talk a little bit about that next week. But um, I said that sometimes you don't even know um, the people that you've influenced in your life until much later. Um, last week, I was up in Bend mountain biking with uh, Dr. Faddis, who plays bass sometimes, and, and uh, Paul Smith, who usually leads worship. And they're not here today because I wore them out and... Uh, the only one left standing, and that's not true. I don't know where they are. Actually, Paul's on vacation. Um, but it was interesting. We came down off the first mountain, the Whoops Trail, and um, I had a, a message on Facebook from this guy. Here's a picture of him. Uh, this is Greg Peavy. Um, he played for the Beavers. He was a pitcher from 2008 to 2010. And uh, I haven't heard from him since he left the school. He's now in the New York Mets farm system. He's in AAA baseball in Las Vegas. And that's where the message came from. Um, And this is one of those unexpected things that you might never hear, but it's been three years since I've even seen Greg. Uh, My relationship with him was not a real relationship, but I went and spoke to the baseball players probably about 10 weeks uh, for 30 minutes over two years uh, that I knew Greg, probably the last two years that he was here. And, uh, and then he left. He got drafted and he left. I haven't seen him or heard from him until Ju- July 19th, which I think was about a week ago. Um, here's what the message said. Hey, Tom, it's been a while. Hope all is well with you and your family. Anyway, I was giving my testimony today and I use your name as a key reason as to why I fully committed my life to the Lord. When we met back in college, I was going through some of the hardest times in life and your words and your influence were a blessing from God. I just wanted to thank you for that. God bless, Greg. Um, I didn't plan to ever see Greg again or hear from him. Um, 
I'll tell you some stories next week of some people I surprised later. Uh, but really, for those of you who know Jesus today and have a relationship with him, I want you to be encouraged that you're part of his plan for spreading hope to the world. For those of you who don't or just checking it out, I pray that you continue to do that. Um, read about Jesus and the Gospels and who he was and what he did and explore the hope that he brings and ask a lot of questions along the way. Um, let's pray. God, it seems, at least to me, like this last few minutes just flew by. And uh, I pray that the most important thing that we would hear today is that each of us individually matters to you in a way that you desire us to pass on this message that you've given us, that not only can we be saved and rescued and free from bondage to sin and and death, but um, we have a big reason for being here, to use our own story to be an influence on people in our circle of opportunity. And I pray that as these weeks progress and as we hear different parts of how this comes about and then exactly what to do, um, that we would begin to think about our history, our the people in our lives that have influenced us and whether or not we've been actually influenced by you. Um, and as I've found myself, God, I thank you for the times that you intervene in my life, uh, for the people that you put in, li- in my life to reach out to me, for the things that you saved me from that were bonehead moves on my case, and for showing me um, back when I was about 29 that I could make a difference in the life of one person. Um, and that could just grow exponentially. So thank you for putting me in a place um, of opportunity and, and recognizing opportunities around me. I pray that we would all uh, be able to dig that out and, and have that opportunity in the weeks to come. In Jesus' name, amen.